So how many of you are married? Any of y'all married? All right, there's a few of you guys. So how many of you got married on accident? <laughs> oh, there's, we got one. We got one. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you didn't get married on accident. Now, how many of you stayed married on accident? Right? It just kind of happened. You stayed married. Like, you know, it just, it just kind of worked out. Right? No, yeah, not really. Um, how many of you accidentally have a good marriage? How many of you just like randomly fell into an incredible marriage, you don't know how you got it, and you didn't have to do any work for it? I got a couple. Hey, that's great. Um, a lot of us had to work really, really hard through some things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite ready when we got married, and so my wife had to work through lots and lots of things, and I had to do lots of growing up. Um, it was difficult. Okay, I didn't, I'm not here to talk about marriage tonight, but marriage is one of those relationships that a lot of us have experienced, and we, we know that it takes work, right? It doesn't happen on accident. So kind of the, the main thing, if you don't hear anything else tonight, just take this. If you're going to take a nap, take it after I finish saying this, right? Um, love is intentional. Love is intentional. It's on purpose, it doesn't happen by accident. Love is intentional. You guys hear me say that? So if you go home tonight and someone asks, what did they talk about? Love is intentional. Love is on purpose. Got it? Okay, if you got that, we're good. The rest of it's just like icing on the cake, right? We're going we're gonna to dress it up now and explain it and unpack it. Um, so most of my passages tonight come out of 1 John. So we're going to open up there, or I'm going to open up. You guys might scroll or whatever you're doing. Or you might look on that paper that Pastor Lynn printed out. Thank you, brother, for doing that, by the way. 1 John chapter 3. This is a wonderful, terrible book. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys have ever read John, uh, 1 John and been, like, terribly convicted. You're like, oh, my, am I even a Christian? Like, there's some, there's some intense stuff in this book. But it's really rich and really good. So uh, two passages that we'll mainly be drawing from. The first is 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to take my time and read it well, because it's got better things to say than I do. Right? This is the word of God. It says this. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The second passage is just a little later on in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 through 21, and it reads this way. If anyone says... I love God and hates his brother. He is a liar. Thanks. <laughs> For he who does not love his brother, whom he, can, uh, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must 
also love his brother. Now, there's some beautiful things in these passages, but you'd be lying if you say that's not heavy, right? There's some heavy truth in these passages, Uh, some truth that can, it tempts me to feel guilty. We're we're not looking for feeling guilty tonight. We're looking for being encouraged in truth, right? Uh, We're looking for seeing a little bit about God's heart. Um, So there's basically three things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Three questions. Oops, that didn't work. Three questions. What is love? What is hate? And why do I have to love God and my brother? (laughs) Right? Okay. Um, Notice I got those questions straight out of that second passage, right? Because it talks about love, it talks about hate, and it talks about loving God and your brother. So those are the three things we're going to endeavor to answer tonight. Um, So first question, what is love? Now, you guys have all heard good sermons on this, so I'm not going to try to like rehash everything. We're not going to go over 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't know what I'm talking about with 1 Corinthians 13, it's worth going back and reading, right? There's, there's a lot of foundation in there. Um, we want to talk about a couple things that love is not, and one thing, just a different way of looking at it that might be helpful. So uh, first is this. In our culture, we treat love as a feeling, right? We treat love as a feeling. So if I say that I have fallen in love, that means I have some kind of weird feeling similar to like uh, when I see the waitress coming after an hour-long wait and my food's on the tray, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> that feeling, I, I get, yes, right? There's something inside, or maybe it's the same feeling you get when you, ate, you eat too much pizza, you get that queasy feeling inside, That was bad, sorry. Okay. Um, We treat love as a feeling, and so love is something we fall into and out of because for one minute I feel a certain way, and then the next minute I stop feeling that way, which means I'm not in love anymore. Right? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's be clear on this. Our culture is dead wrong. Love is not a feeling. Love involves feelings. Feelings are present there. But love is not primarily a feeling, right? You, you hear the, the saying about the tail wagging the dog? If you think love is a feeling, that's what's going on. The tail's wagging the dog. No, feelings follow what love really is, right? Because so love is not a feeling. That's the first thing. The second is this. Um, our culture likes to talk. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that, but we say a lot of things. We talk, 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 talk. Some of us more than others. <laughs> I, I was trying not to look, Pastor Lane. <laughs> I, I talk a lot too. If you guys ever get in a conversation with me, you'll probably realize that. And when Pastor Lynn and I get in a room and start talking, it's pretty bad. I'm usually late home. Right. Okay. But words are not meaningful if there's no action behind them. It's really easy to say, I love you. Right? It's easy to spit those words out. I love you. I love you. I love, oh, I love you so much. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love you, wife. I love you, husband. It's easy to say, 
But that doesn't constitute love if there's not something behind it, right? So love is also not primarily something that you say, okay? So it's not a feeling, and it's not just something you say. Now, it can involve words. Words are important. Some of you guys need to know that, right? Words are important to say to your wives. Those are, those are good. Maybe try some poetry every once in a while, okay? Right. It might be bad, but she might like it. You know, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Notice in First uh, John, so we'll go back to that passage, First John chapter 3.18. This is what he says. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Not in word or Right? Not in talk, but in deed and in truth. So love is something that you do. Right? Love is something that you do. A lot of love involves this. And this is kind of the the little bit of a different angle I wanted to take. Maybe you've never thought about it this way before. It's not the only way to define it, right? There's lots of ways to define things. Love is choosing one thing over another. Love is consciously, or maybe even sometimes unconsciously, choosing one thing over another. Now, we can, we can look at that in a variety of ways. Like, if I choose pizza over broccoli, right, consistently, right, it, I have some kind of affinity for, for, for that pizza, perhaps, like that draws me to it and away from the broccoli. Now, I like broccoli. I just know some of y'all don't. You weren't blessed with that grace for loving broccoli. Okay? So, it's choosing one thing over another. And what that looks like sometimes is it gets really tricky, right? Because sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to have a conversation with somebody. <laughs> you guys ever not wanted to talk to somebody? Right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Y- y'all are making me laugh over here. I don't want to lose my composure. That's okay. I'll just lose it. We'll get over it together. Okay. So sometimes you have to choose difficult things. So uh, another example is uh, my kids, right? Sometimes I have to choose to speak calmly to them. Right? Because they're not calm. They're going nuts, right? They're going crazy. It's like something flipped in their brains. And all they can do is complain, right? Or scream, right? And I have to consciously make a choice to treat them in a loving way. So I have to choose one thing over the other thing. And so love is making a choice. You have to choose. I have to choose to invest sometimes where I don't want to. It's a choice. The verse just above that, what we just looked at, this is 1 John 3.16, says this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Do you guys catch that Jesus made a choice here? He chose our lives over his. 
he gave up his life. That's a choice. And that wasn't even an easy choice, right? Look at the way he struggled. You guys know the story in the garden when he's, he's going before the Father and his disciples are backing him up by snoozing, right? <laughs> they're, they're falling asleep on him. And he's in there. He knows everything that's about to happen in him. And he's just going nuts inside. Like he's in utter turmoil. And he in, intentionally choosing the Father's will to demonstrate the most beautiful display of love on the face of the planet for us, right? He chooses to love us over his own comfort, over his own well-being, over his own life. Um, there's, a, there's a man I knew. His name was Mark Larimer. Uh, Mark Larimer, I haven't talked to him in quite some time, um, but uh, he was involved with a youth group that I was connected to, and one day he kind of threw out just this, this offer. He said, uh, if any of you guys want to just eat breakfast with me, you know, just let me know, and, and we'll, we'll do that. I'll take you out for breakfast. Um, so I took him up on it. I said, okay, let's go eat breakfast. So this, I think it was on Tuesdays he would do this. He, I don't exactly remember. We'll pretend it was Tuesday and, like, my memory is awesome. So Tuesday morning, I wake up, and his car pulls up, right? And I go out, and we get in the car, and he, we drive to the restaurant, and we sit down, and I talk, and he listens, and he pays, and then he drives me home. And then the next week, we did it again, Right? I got up, and, and he was out. He was ready to go, and I got in his car, and he drove me to, to breakfast, and we sat down, and he bought me breakfast, and I talked, and he listened, and he paid, and then he brought me home again. And this man did this week after week, faithfully and consistently. Now, he was married and fairly newly married. He could have stayed home and ate breakfast with his wife, he could have slept in, right? He could have got some more. Uh, he could have got some more sleep. He didn't have to wake up that early. He could have spent his money on other things. He didn't have to buy me breakfast, right? Maybe he could have saved for vacation. You know, even something good. But he chose to invest in me. Um, I, that changed my life. That a person. That was not related to me, not my dad. I have a great dad. Um, but that someone would just think it was worth their time and their energy and their finances to honor my existence. He chose me over something else. So love is choosing one thing over something else. It's placing value, right? Placing value. So that's a little bit about love. So the second question is a more interesting question. I don't know that I've ever heard this preached on at all. But what is hatred? Okay? What is hatred? Um, now notice again, that comes right out of our text. Because he said, if you hate your brother, right? That, that you're a liar. That you don't love God. If you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. So what's hatred? Our culture, again, notice the pattern here. Our culture treats hatred like a feeling. That hatred is primarily a feeling. Now, hatred can involve feelings for sure, right? But it's not just a feeling. 
Let me show you this. Um, this is in uh, Proverbs 13.24. Proverbs 13.24. It reads this way. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now notice in this story, the father or the mother doesn't beat their child wildly to show them that they hate them. Doesn't starve them to death, doesn't lock them in a closet, right? Doesn't abandon them on the side of the road or at the the doorstep of, of the police station or whatever. A variety of things you could imagine that an angry, hateful person might do. All he does is not do something. You see that? All he does is not discipline. That's it. He just makes a simple choice to not do something. And the Bible calls that hatred. We think of hatred as like a passionate dislike or a passionate anger. And hatred can be a lot more subtle than that. Biblically speaking, there's more tones to it. It can involve that for sure. When people hated Jesus, it was passionate, right? And I don't want to deny that at all. But most of us don't have a problem with that kind of hatred. Most of us don't go around just like seething in anger at everybody, right? Or at least we wouldn't admit it. <laughs> Maybe you do when you're driving. I don't know. <laughs> right? Um, But there's more overtones to it, right, than just a passionate anger. See, hatred can also involve despising. And the word despising in its simplest sense simply means to not value something. You just don't value it, right? An example of that in Scripture is in Proverbs chapter 1. It talks about wisdom, and it pictures wisdom as a woman calling out in the streets, right? This, this wisdom is crying out that anyone who's, who's dumb can come and get, like, get lined out. That's, that's my paraphrase there, right? Any foolish person can come and receive wisdom. And you know what one of the responses is? One of the primary responses? They just ignore wisdom. They just ignore it. They just don't care. That's despising, right? You just... It doesn't cross your mind. It is not valuable to you. You know, it, it's a penny instead of the $100 bill, right? Right? I know guys that would get down to get a $100 bill that wouldn't bend over for anything else. Right? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> that $100 bill is worth something to them. The penny? <sighs> Despising. That's a form uh, uh, of hatred, right? There's, there's overtones of hatred that are despising, not valuing. So uh, when I first got married... Um, I'm telling on myself here. Uh, I, I did some dumb things. <laughs> it was bad. Okay, so, so I, I remember I first got married. I got married in December. I was still in school. My wife was still working. She worked full time uh, and put me through school. She's, she's awesome. One of the most generous people I know. She's an amazing woman. Um, and so she was working and I was going to school and spring break hits, right? And I, I'm used to being a single guy. It's spring break. I just buy this video game I've been looking forward to playing. Now, I know most of you guys probably don't play games. I, I enjoy a video game or a computer game. And I got this game. And I got it out. It's my spring break. I don't have to go to school. So I sit down. I start playing it. 
my, my wife goes off to work. When she comes back eight hours later, guess where I am? <laughs> Still playing my game, right? Now, this didn't happen once, right? But she comes in the door, right? You know what she does? She goes, puts her stuff up. She starts cooking dinner, right? She goes, takes the trash out. Okay, right? I eat dinner with her, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was being serious when I said I was dumb, okay? <laughs> that was not a joke. That was not an exaggeration. I'm not exaggerating this story. I did this, okay? Now, she tried to talk to me about this, right? She tried to tell me that, you know, I, I could really use some help around the house. And I would say, well, it's just, I, I just don't think about it. I just don't see it. Right? I, I, didn't, I just don't, taking out the trash is just not something I, I think about. And washing the dishes just doesn't occur to me. So uh, if I'll help, you just got to ask me so that, that I know it needs to be done. And, and I explained it to her this way over and over and over again. I didn't, right, I didn't see, I didn't see. Now, let me read this verse to you here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Here we focus on the part that says closes his heart against him. And I think most of us would tell ourselves that we don't usually see someone in need and close my heart against them. I'm not like, ah, I don't want to help them. Every once in a while that might happen, but usually that's not the case. And so we look at this word that says, sees his brother in need, and I'm just not seeing it. So I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about it because I didn't see it. Check this verse out in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you look, not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I would have never admitted it at the time. But do you know why I didn't see what needed to be done around the house? It was because I didn't care. I wasn't interested I didn't place value on it. I was so busy chasing the things that I thought were worthwhile, the things that I thought were fun, the things that I thought I might have even told you I needed. I need my downtime. I need my R&R, my man time, whatever you call it. I don't know. I need this. And I'm so invested in my own interest that I'm refusing. I used the word refusing intentionally. I would have never said that, but I'll say it now to myself back then. <laughs> I was refusing to place value on what my wife saw as valuable. And frankly, she was much smarter about what she valued than I was. She was doing what she was doing for both of us, and I was doing what I was doing for me. If we aren't looking, we don't care. And that is a form of... Of hatred. And this is the way I phrased it apathy. Apathy is a form of hatred. 
Careful if you agree with me. I'm, I'm about to turn this around on you guys in a minute. Okay. <laughs> you might want to hold off on agreeing. But no, I'm going to turn around on me too because this is for all of us. Okay, so one more question we need to answer now. And that's how come we have to love God and people? What? Come on. This whole saying I love God thing was easy until you involved the other guys. Really? So uh, when I was a kid, um, I always got asked the question, what's your favorite color? Do you guys ever get asked that question, what's your favorite color? Right? I don't know why this is like a, it's like a hot topic. It's like a, even when you're a little kid, it's a status thing. Like, what's your favorite color? Blue. Oh, you like blue. Okay. So I get asked this question, and I would tell people my favorite color was yellow. But I never wore yellow clothes. I had Duplos and Legos. I didn't like playing with yellow Legos. Right? Yellow wasn't my favorite crayon. I didn't ask for yellow cake for my birthday with yellow frosting. Did I like yellow? Do you guys see the connection there? Or the disconnect, rather, right? I said I loved yellow. I, I thought yellow, I, that was what I said. You know why I said that? Just because nobody else liked it that I knew, right? And so I was just trying to be different, but I didn't really like it. And it showed by my actions. It showed by my, the way that I responded to actually yellow things. So people... Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So, we got this thing going on. We say, oh, I love you God. God, you're great. You're awesome. Uh, uh, you're passionate about you and your goodness, and I'm throwing my hands up and worshiping, you know, doing a little free worship. <laughs> right? God's my superhero. He's, you know, I felt funny writing this, but it was like, you know, God's my idol. I was like, wait, this doesn't work. But you know what I mean, right? He, he's, he's my main man. Me and God were like this, you know? But people... Really? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Do you guys see what that verse said? The image of God is stamped on people. And so if I say I love God, and when I see people, I can't see him, and none of the affection I feel towards God is extended to people, I've missed the boat, right? I, I'm, it, it's, it's like this guy, and this is just a, a fiction, well, it's not really a fictional guy, but I'll pretend it is to make myself feel better. It's like a guy saying his wife is gorgeous, and he spends all his time looking at pictures of other women. Exactly. What? You're an adulterous liar. Exactly. I'm an adulterous liar if I do that. Right? Because we're claiming one thing, but the pictures, right, they don't match. They're not lining up. We're not seeing, we're not valuing the image of the one we claim to love. So if we're going to say we love God, we have to love the things that look like him. They go together. If we love God, 
We have to love the people made in his image. And there is not a person on the planet that is an exception to that. Now, some of the images are really broken and scratched up. Some of them look a little bit more like a funhouse mirror, right? (laughs) Right? Or like one of those handheld mirrors that the ladies use that you can never see yourself in. I don't know. How do you ladies use those? I don't get that. Like, they don't ever really work quite right. Right? But the image is still there. It's still there. And every human being on the planet has value because of that. Regardless of their choices. Their choices don't factor into this. They're a special creation of God. Right? He planned them. He designed them. He has a purpose for them. In some unique way, they are designed to reflect his heart like no other human being that has ever existed. Man. So, here's my questions for you. How many of us want to see our church grow? You guys want to see your church grow? Yeah, I do. I want to see our church grow. Not just because I, I want it to be full. In fact, I like smaller crowds better than bigger crowds. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I'd just, I just rather have a smaller crowd. But I want to see the church grow because I know what's in this place, right? I know the Jesus that can meet here, and I see Jesus in, in you guys. And it's awesome. It's so encouraging and exciting. And I want to see this place grow. I want to see people brought in here to be built up and encouraged and restored, healed. Man, how many of you guys want to see people impacted by the good news about Jesus, right? You want to see, you want to see that happen. I want to see that happen because I know what he's done for me. You guys don't know what he's forgiven me of, but I do. And man, I have a hard time forgiving myself. And he forgives me. Oh, it's so good, Right? And we want to see people impacted by the kingdom of God, right? We want to see it just break through in their lives. But how many of us are so busy we don't have time for another friendship? You don't have to raise your hand. You have to, but you don't, think about that in your heart. How many of us are so busy we don't have time to add another friendship? How many of us are so embarrassed that we forgot somebody's name again that we don't talk to them anymore? Uh Uh-oh. I said that because I feel that, right? I'm not trying to point anybody out. But how many, right, you guys ever get that? You ask somebody their name, and then the next week you forgot, so you ask them again, and by like the 15th time, you're kind of like, oh, you're feeling cringy inside. And so you don't even try talking. You're just kind of like, hey, man. And then you move on, right? Um, right. Yeah, okay. So you remember we talked about choosing? Choosing one thing or over another, right? You guys see what's going on there? I'm choosing my own comfort and how I appear to them over an actual relationship with them. That's, that stings me, y'all. If it stings you, great. But it's stinging me too. I want you to know that. That hurts. Right? How many of us don't have any more room at our table, at the restaurant, at home? Right? There's only room for close friends and family. 
right? It's time to pay somebody else's bill, perhaps, right? Time to invite somebody else to the table. Time to open up the door in the home and set another spot, break out the spare chair. Guys, if we want our circle to grow, there has to be somewhere for people to latch onto, right? There's got to be somebody. There's got to be a relationship. If our circle's so closed that there's not any hand to grab, it's not going to grow. Uh, one of the verses we read, it talked about, if any of you closes your heart against a brother. Did you guys catch that language? I was looking at that, and it's interesting. That actually occurs multiple times in Scripture. And one of the other times it occurs, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, make room in your hearts for us. Make room in your hearts for us. Their lives are so full of, in that case, these other apostles and these other teachers. They didn't have room to receive the one that had brought the gospel to them in the first place, which is crazy. But that idea, you see that idea, sometimes our hearts are so full, are so cluttered, our lives are so full and so cluttered, we don't have room for anybody else. And we have to be intentional. We have to intentionally make room. We have to intentionally open our hearts and make room in our hearts and make room in our lives and make room at our tables, make room in our budgets, right? Make room in our conversations, For someone else to fit there. That's never been there before. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but relationships are inconvenient. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You kind of have to go out of your way sometimes. Um, And usually the relationships that are convenient, they don't last that long, right? You switch jobs and you don't talk to them anymore. I see them every day and then I switch jobs. and I didn't really have a relationship. I just bumped into them all the time. Relationships rarely happen by accident. They rarely happen by accident. They take time and investment. Remember when I asked you if you got married on accident? Right. You don't make friends on accident either. Now, sometimes it might feel kind of like an accident. It's happenstance you bumped into them. But the following investment is not an accident. You don't accidentally call someone to talk to them for 20 minutes. You don't accidentally check in on someone to see how they're doing after their mom died, right? So, uh, I know some of y'all are introverts. Um, My wife is an introvert, and some of the things I said would have been especially hard for her tonight um, if she were here, because it goes against her personality, like, to to talk to new people and to, to make that room. And I'm not saying you have to be an extrovert. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. Um, But what I am saying is there's somebody, right? There's somebody. There's some other introverted person out there who needs another introvert just to come sit by them for a minute, right? And maybe shyly and quietly say, hey, what's your name? (laughs) You know, nobody else has to hear. They don't have to know that you came out of your introverted shell for a minute. But somebody, right? We can't be friends with everybody. That's not how this works. But if everybody is friends with somebody, right, if everybody's making room for somebody, then there's always going to be room for more people. There will always be more room. Man, uh, one of the stories that comes to mind is, uh, you guys remember the Apostle Paul? He's kind of important, kind of did some important things like, you know, write most of the New Testament, 
who's up there. You know, he brought the gospel to the entire known world at the time. Um, you know, when he first got saved, nobody wanted to hang out with him. You just know that? Nobody wanted to spend time with this dude. He'd, he'd just been murdering, or at least approving of the murder of Christians. And so they kind of like, I don't know about this guy. He's a little sketchy. I don't want to be his friend. He might kill me. Yeah. Um, one guy had the guts to say, you know what? There's something to this. This guy's talking different, and I see something here, and I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to risk my own reputation even in this case, and I'm going to spend some time with this guy. Right? Barnabas. Barnabas is the one who welcomed Paul or Saul at the time into the church. And from that, we have an amazing amount of blessings. Can you imagine what would have happened if Barnabas had said no? <laughs> like, where would we be if Paul got rejected by the entire church? Because no one would make room for him because of his history and his past and the stuff that was going on previously in his life. Right? Man. So, you guys, we have a good reputation as a church. We have a good reputation, and I'm so thankful for that. We have a reputation for being friendly. We have a reputation that when you walk through the building, someone's going to talk to you and someone's going to say hi. Let's keep that. Let's own that. Let's keep running with that. But let's not stop there, right? Let's not stop there. Let's invest. Let's find those relationships with somebody new and connect, right? Pull them in. Invite them to a life group. Invite them to someone else's life group. <laughs> right? Right? That's okay. Maybe you don't hit it off with them, but maybe you know someone else might, right? Help connect them. All right, so I want to look at our takeaway here. Three things, these three verbs I've chosen here, and I'll just explain them briefly, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Um, three things. First one is look. You have to choose. Like, you have to look. You can't stop. You can't keep making excuses about, I didn't see, right? I didn't see that that person was new. I didn't see that that person was hurting. I didn't see we got to rearrange our values and look. We have to purpose in our hearts to look for it. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is choose. You're going to have to make a choice, right? Am I going to be on time or am I going to start a friendship? That might be your choice sometimes. Um, am I going to have extra spending money or am I going to go out to eat with this person, Right? Uh, am, am I going to be comfortable or am I going to start an awkward conversation? I don't even know what to talk about, but I got to start somewhere. So I'm just going to wing it and ask him a crazy question like, what colors, what's your favorite? If you had a spaceship, what color would you color it? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever started a conversation with a weird question, but it works sometimes. <laughs> but but you got to choose. You have to switch gears on what your what your priorities are. You have to choose to value something else because that's what love is. It's choosing one thing over another. And if you want to show someone's love, show someone love. You might not feel it, but you can still make them a priority. And that demonstrates love. And the last one is it's invest. It's going to cost us something. Relationships cost time, money, comfort. And I already mentioned many of those things already, right? But it's going to cost Let's invest. So look, choose, and invest. 
Let's pray. Father, um, I know that you gave this to me on purpose for tonight, and it's not even what I would have picked to talk about, but it's good because it's from you. And Lord, we just, I trust that something that was said here tonight will keep changing me and will help my brothers and sisters as they keep walking forward in obedience to you. And Lord, I'm so excited to see new people come and get stuck because someone grabbed their hand and wouldn't let go. Thank you, Father. Help us not to take this in any sort of a, a guilty way, but just to own your heart in loving people and investing in people because you care about them. Help us to care too. Help us to shift priorities. Thank you. Thank you for shifting priorities for us, loving us into your kingdom through your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.